And I just want to, yeah, encourage you, stay, stay planted. Because the reality is you're going to have bumps in the road. There are going to be challenges along the way. And I've got a, um, a PowerPoint for you that the guys are going to put up. And, um, you know, just in, in terms of success... Sometimes people think that success looks like the arrow on the right-hand side. You start somewhere and you just go straight up. And the thing, sometimes we can think the Christian life is like that as well. But the reality is success in life and success in the Christian life looks a little bit more like the arrow on the right-hand side. You know, there's, there's setbacks. There's things that come across your path. There's bumps in the way. There's, you know, it's not always such... I mean, I know it's a straight path, but sometimes for us, it's, it's a, we get some curveballs thrown to us. And so um, we just want to um, talk to you about the reality of your Christian life because, you know, if you have a... You, you can get disillusioned, and you get disillusioned when you have an illusion about something, okay? And we don't want you to get disillusioned. We don't want you to get discouraged along the way because um, you can't avoid setbacks in life. So we want to help you, and that's why we've got this series called Unstuck. So, um, and what we're doing is we're hovering around these three scriptures that we're going to bring to you every week, and, uh, and, and they're really just scriptures to help you um, to kind of set a good foundation, really, and a good reason for you not to get stuck, but to remain free and to keep on pursuing everything that God has for you. So the first scripture is one of our favorites, of course, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Can, just imagine if we just took hold of that, just that one scripture, and we believed it for ourselves. If we just did that one scripture and we believed it for ourselves, believed it no matter what was going to happen, what happens in our life, no matter what challenges come into our life, we believed in that scripture. We believed that God has a good plan for us. Just imagine how life-changing it would be if we actually took hold of that and believed it. And then if we were to add to that 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. How good is that? You know, there are things that we don't know about and we can't even imagine that are in the heart of God for us. That's what it's saying. And then if we add to that Romans 3.28, sorry, 8.28, Romans 8.28, and we know, we know and in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So good. He's working for our good. You know, if we believe the Bible, and sometimes, you know, I say that if we believe the Bible. Listen, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that every part of Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful and it shows us the truth. I'm just jumping over and paraphrasing if you're looking that up. It shows us the truth. That's what the Word of God is. And so if we believe the Word of God, we know that God is always working for our good. He's always working for our good. Nevertheless, sometimes we can forget this. We can forget and our eyes can get off God's Word and what God's Word says and, and what He's trying to do in our lives. And when we do this, we can find ourselves, uh, instead of working with what God wants to do, we can start to work against what God wants us to do. Instead of leaning in and, to, and trusting him, especially in those tough times, we instead 
can just kind of hinder the work of God in our lives. We can be in a place, if you like, of unbelief and uh, we can hinder what God's doing for our own good when we forget, when we forget that he has a great plan for us. So um, the series is called Unstuck. And I don't know if you've ever, as a kid, or maybe you've got children who've done this, stuck your head through a balustrade railing just to see what, yeah, I could put my head through here. Let's do it. See what happens. And I don't know if you've ever seen a child stick their head through a balustrade railing and then go, oh, well, good, that worked, and then try to get out. And it's an incredible thing because you go in one way, but for some reason you can't come out the same way that you went in. And uh, the reason for that is because of our ears. So our ears kind of slide that way when we go through, but as you start to come back, that ears kind of contract, and even if you try and push them down, it just it doesn't work. So if that balustrade railing's fairly narrow and you've only just got through, you're stuck. You are stuck there. And uh, you can do anything um, to try and get, a, get that child out. And I've seen video footage. I don't know if you've seen stuff online, or you might have tried it yourself, to try and get that child out. And um, you can kind of put lubricant on their ears and you know try to get them through you can try and you know pull the bars apart if they're you know, and try and make more space for that child to get through and the child's screaming and it's all stressful and that but actually what you need to do is you actually need to turn their head around and bring them back the same way they actually went in so their ears come out that way just a tip parents or adults if that happens to you and, and I, watched a, I watched this thing online where this um, kid had his head, same, this was happening, his kid, this kid had his head through the railing, all this was going on, they were trying to pull it apart, they were trying to pull him back and, and then all of a sudden the kid goes, oh, I know what I can do and he puts his leg through and he puts his arm through and because he's got this tiny little body, he just wiggles his body through, follows his head and he's free. I'm not saying that might work for an adult. I'm not sure. Just depends on how many um, donuts have you been eating recently. So, but what we want to do with this series is we actually want to realign the way you might be thinking and the way that you're responding so that we are working with God and not working against him and against the work that he's trying to do in our lives. So you got all right? You got used to me yet? Do you like my earrings? like my shoes. Sometimes it just takes a little while to get used to that person up there. Well, I'm getting used to you too, okay? So right back at you. Um, last week, I just, like uh, Jaden said, uh, Pastor Jess preached on the fence of a fence. And I wanted to um, mention that because that's a real biggie, you know? That's a real big one. A fence comes and we get stuck. Very, very common. So if you didn't hear it, why don't you go back and have a look at Facebook and Check it out. Check out the message. And Pastor Schaefer preached it in Albany as well, so you can look at it twice. You can compare notes. Give them a score. Tell them which one did the best, you know. But um, this week, like Jaden said, the second week of our series, we are going to um, look at the rearview mirror of regret. Okay. So um, I have read that 90% of people, that's a very high percentage, have significant regret in their life. And dealing with it is a, um, it's a, it's a crucial skill for us to, at, for healthy living. You know, that's a, it's a lot of people with regrets, isn't it? 90% of people. And we need to learn how to deal with it if we want to live in a healthy way. So regrets can look like um, missed opportunities. Uh, maybe it's past relationships that you've had. Maybe you've had a big failure in your life. Maybe sin has overcome you. 
um, or you've, maybe you've just let somebody down in some way and just, just regrets got into your heart. And it can be a really powerful human emotion and it can impact our lives and the direction that our lives are going in in a really big way if it gets hold of us. You know, regret can cause us to get stuck and can really limit our ability as believers to move forward into what God has for us. But you know, Jesus, he does not want us to live in regret. That is not his will. He's not his purpose for us. He doesn't want us to stay stuck in the mistakes of the past. And like many of us, um, sorry, he doesn't want us to stay stuck in the mistakes of the past because that's the purpose that Jesus came for. That's why he came. He came to set us free. He didn't come to cause us to get stuck in our mistakes and in the regrets of the past. So I want to, um, I moved on a little quickly there, but I want to look at the life of the Apostle Paul just really briefly because he was a guy who had a past. And just like some of us have got a past, well, we've all got a past. And like many of us, he'd actually, I don't want to presume anything, but like many of us, he'd actually done some really dumb things, dumb stuff in his past. And in fact, The Apostle Paul was quite an evil man. He was quite an evil man. He was known as a man. He was known as a man who would round up Christians and throw them into jail. He would beat them up, or he'd had others beat them up. Um, He would even kill believers. He uh, had separated families, and he had destroyed lives. He was a really nasty piece of work. The Apostle Paul. He was a Jewish leader. He was a violent person. He was a murderous man. He had hatred in his heart. And I love the way we look at people in the Bible, you know, and we just think, oh, they're such amazing people, such heroes of the faith. But you know the only reason they're heroes to us is because what Jesus has done in their lives. That's the only reason that we look up to them, not because of anything of them, in them. It's only because of what Jesus has done in their lives. And in one day... Paul had an encounter with God. He had an encounter with God. And you know what? Paul, he was certainly not pursuing God at the time. You know, and, and we're the same. And there's nothing good in us that goes, oh, today I'm going to pursue God. You know, God is always pursuing us. He's running after us. He's loved us first. And you think, oh, hang on, no, this week I was really good and I really pursued God. I spent time in prayer. I spent time in my word. It's... The only reason you're doing that is because he's already pursued you. He's already pursued you. And so certainly Paul was not pursuing God. He was actually working against God. And God came right across his pathway, right across his pathway and interrupted his life. He was on a destructive path. And this is the grace of God as well. But, you know, the encounter that he had was very intense And it was miraculous, a bit like it can be for us when we're born again. And even if it was just a simple prayer when we're born again, it's still a miraculous thing that's happened in your life. And uh, and so Paul writes about this encounter. And he says this, About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me and I fell to the ground. Whose salvation was like that? You probably should be grateful that it wasn't in some ways. You know, God um, literally literally stopped him in his tracks and started speaking to him about what he was doing. He started to speak to him about what he was doing. And so powerful was the impact of this encounter that Paul, down on the ground, cried out, 
What shall I do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord? And I can just imagine him, you know, just thinking, I've just blown it. I have blown it. I've been caught in my sin. I've been working against God. And now here I am, face to face with God, on the ground, blinded by the light of his presence. That was Paul's encounter with God. And then, as if, let's pretend that this story is like now a musical, you know, that if life was a musical, you would probably hear this song in the background. We sang it tonight. He picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on salt. Yeah, we sang it tonight. That's what happened to Paul. That's what God did to Paul. He picked him up, he turned him around, and he placed his feet on solid ground. He didn't, you know, talk to him about his past, or he, he did, but he, then he said, this is what you need to do. And he said to him, arise and go into Damascus. That wouldn't sound as good in a song, would it? Arise and go into Damascus. No. He said, arise and go into Damascus and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. That's what God told him to do. He picked him up and he turned him around. You see, God had a plan. He had a plan. He had things appointed for Paul to do. And that's what the work of, of God is like in our lives as well. He has a purpose despite our past, despite our mistakes. God says, get up and go. Get up and go. I've got stuff for you to do. I've got a life of purpose mapped out for you. That's what the work of God is like in our lives. And Paul, he obeyed the voice of God and he moved forward into the plan that God had for him. And it kind of sounds like our straight arrow, doesn't it? And then Paul lived happily ever after, fulfilling the purpose of God for his life. Well, he did, but it, 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 that can be a bit of an illusion, okay, just like our straight arrow. It, it wasn't a walk in the park for Paul. It wasn't easy for him. You know, Paul had his challenges and he had his opposition. The religious rulers, for a start, were really angry with him because he'd kind of crossed sides and uh, he was betraying the way in their mind. The authorities were after him. You know, God may have forgiven him and entrusted his plan and purpose and a future to him, but people weren't too sure about it. This man was like, he was a nasty piece of work. People weren't too sure about it. Not many people trusted Paul at that point. And, you know, um, I remember um, visiting Teen Challenge uh, a number of years ago. It's a, a rehab centre uh, for drug um, addiction and other life-controlling addictions. And um, I went along and I got a glimpse into the life of these people who's, you know, really got to pick them up, turn around and place their feet on solid ground. But, you know, they had a little bit of a journey to go on. And uh, first of all, they had to escape their past because um, quite often drug dealers and other people that they had entwined their lives to were after them for money or control. They had to recover from the addictions and the consequences of the life they'd been living. But the thing that really impacted me the most at Teen Challenge was um, once a week they'd get to phone a family member or a friend or just make connection with the outside world for a while. And um, I said to the lady who was showing me around, I said, has everyone got someone to talk to? And she said, no, they haven't. She said, because many of them, because of the lifestyle they've had, have actually burnt their bridges with their family and with their friends. 
but part of the rehabilitation for them was them, for them to actually um, build trust again, build those bridges again and, uh, with the people that um, had lost trust in them. That was part of their rehabilitation. Now, son Joel, he works with um, older one students. Uh, you know, if, if, I don't know if you've heard of older one school, but um, within the school curric curriculum, they have a recovery program. So the school caters for kids who've had trauma and rough backgrounds and have found themselves acting out and suffering the consequences for that. And one of the things he says to the students is this. He says, right now, because it's tough for them sometimes, he said, right now, you're living in the harvest of either um, you or what somebody else has sown into your life up to this point. So it's going to feel terrible for a while. It's going to be rough for a while. But right now, he says to them, you have the opportunity to sow for the different harvest in the future. So, you know, it's just like a farmer. He sows, he, he sows for the harvest and he, and he gets the harvest for one year and then he sows for the next year. But while he's sowing for the next year, he's actually eating some of the crop that he sowed the year before. And that's the reality of our lives. And I just want to say to you, you know, if you might be sitting in some, a place of regret, you might be eating the fruit maybe of a harvest that's either been sown into your life or you have sown it into your own life. And there's, but, but what you need to, the way you need to think about it is, I'm not going to get stuck here. It's going to be tough for a little while, but I'm not going to get stuck here. This is how you should think about it. It's only a harvest. It's only a harvest, and there's another one coming. It might be difficult for a while, but focus on sowing for the next harvest, okay? So the scripture in Jeremiah 29, oh, I can't believe the time. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You know, that was actually spoken to people who had found themselves in exile, barred from their own country, from the land that God had given them through their own fault. And the way that, and, and through their own fault and the way that they'd lived up to that point, they'd actually been brought into a place of captivity. They were stuck, if you like, physically. And it was a time of discipline. It was a time of suffering, consequences of their own sin. And while God had given them a promise of a great future, he was also telling them he wasn't going to just pluck them out of there instantly. You know, so right now, I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what season or harvest that you're in. But right now, you may not have many friends because of maybe some relationship breakdowns. So it's, gonna, it's actually going to be lonely for a little while. But, but don't get stuck in regret there. Don't get stuck in regret there. Start sowing for new friendships or restoring trust in previous friendships. You, you cannot do anything about the past, but you can plan for the future. You can sow for the future. You know, um, in Jeremiah, God gives this advice to them. He says to them, hey, well, this is me paraphrasing. Hey, I've got a great future planned for you, so don't despair. But in the meantime, in the... You know, like last um, series, we talked about the gap time. That's a tricky time, the gap time. In the meantime, don't wallow. Don't waste time. Don't live in regret. Don't live in regret. And so this is what God instructs these people to do. 
He tells them, get on with your life. Jeremiah 29, 5 to 7. Get on with your life, he says. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Uh, back to where I need to be. Um, I love this. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God was saying to them, start sowing now for the great future that I have planned for you. Be a blessing right where you are in any way you can. Work hard, be fruitful, get on with your life. Don't waste a moment living in the remorse and the regret of the past. Okay, so these are real things, all right, that we have to overcome. And these are things that can cause people uh, with a past or people who've just made mistakes to get stuck. But Jesus wants to get us unstuck moving forward even if it takes a little bit of time. So I saw this quote on Insta. Do you like quotes? I love quotes. I just live off them. I have to remember to read my Bible. <laughs> Never be a prisoner of your past. It was a lesson, not a life sentence. Okay? You know, the, things, thing, the thing we need to understand about review mirrors is that you're only meant to glance in them as you move forward. You're meant to glance in them as you move forward, not stare into them. You know, staring into the rearview mirror gets your eyes off where you're meant to be going. And, if, and for you, it's forward. For you, it's forward. You know, the rearview mirror only directs you when you're going backwards, okay? That's the thing about a rearview mirror. So I want to ask you a question. Where are you stuck staring into the rearview mirror of regret? And what do you need? To overcome? Is it like, I wish I'd never got into that toxic relationship. I wish I'd never allowed that sin to take over my life. I wish I'd made a different financial decision, taken a different career path. I wish I hadn't wasted so much of my life on what's not important. Sometimes that's something that older people feel. Whatever it is that leaves you with feelings of remorse or sadness, or staring into that review mirror of regret. It is a thing, but God doesn't want you to get stuck there. So this is what we can do. Number one, I'll quickly go through these. We've got to receive forgiveness, okay? We've got to receive forgiveness. But can I just back up a bit, just have a quick glance into the review mirror before we go forward? Um, because there's just one little thing that comes before receiving forgiveness, and it's a word that we don't always like, but it's repentance. It's repentance. Repentance simply means this. Change your mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and direction. That's all that repentance means. It means you just change your mind. And, you know, Paul did that on the road when he had that face-to-face -face encounter with God. His mind was changed, and he moved on into the direction and purpose that God had for him. So it's at that point of repentance that then we must go on and receive forgiveness. You know, God forgives, but we have to receive his forgiveness. You know, Hebrews 12 once says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The ability for you to repent of, our, of sin and to receive his forgiveness removes a, a, 
huge, heavy weight off you that will slow you down and will ensnare you and will get us stuck. And Paul tells us, lay it aside, strip it off, and allow yourself to live lightly. You know, if you've got a weight of sin in your life right now, you know, this is all you can, you can do. You can come to God and you can say this, Lord, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for my sin. And I am so grateful for your sacrifice on the cross that paid my debt so that I can be free. Thank you. Just say thank you for your forgiveness and the free gift of salvation. And I'm going to receive that gift today. That's all you have to do. And then you run your race. You run your race. And when others hold your past against you, when others don't trust you, you say, that's okay. That's okay. I get it. I get it. But you, you keep your eyes on the grace of God. Keep your eyes on the grace of God. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 17. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. How amazing that God used Paul's experience to show off his mercy and grace and to show others that they can actually believe and receive eternal life again. He works all things for good. You know, we've got to stop making Christianity about how good we are. We have just got to stop doing that. It's about how bad we are and it's about how good and kind and gracious that God is towards us because he loves us. That's the message of the gospel. Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. We've got to always keep the message of the gospel clear. It's never about how good we are. It's never about being perfect. It's never about never making mistakes. It's always about Jesus and what he's done on the cross to forgive us and to set us free. That is the gospel. And our lives have to always be a testimony to what God can do in the worst of us. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, the next thing that we can do is that we need to reach forward. So repentance, forgiveness, now reach forward. Philippians 3, 12 to 14, Paul said this, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. It takes courage to move forward. It takes courage to move forward. It takes faith. It takes a commitment to fulfill what God has called you to, to move forward. But you know, for me, some of the most defining and powerful moments in my life have been when I've had a setback, have been the times when people have maybe withdrawn from me and they don't think I'm amazing. I know it's hard to believe, but people, I've had a setback. People have withdrawn from me. There's times that I have felt like no one wants to be around me in case they might catch the misfortune that has come upon me. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. And it's in those times I, I have to decide, will I keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, the one who started this and the one who's going to finish it, who, it says, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, 
despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know that joy that set before him? It wasn't that, I mean, I'm sure he was looking forward to sitting down at the right hand of his father in heaven. But the joy that was set before him was you and I. That's what the joy set before him was. He had his mind on us when he was on the cross. Imagine if Jesus had stopped along the way and got stuck at the point of his suffering. Imagine if he'd done that. What if he couldn't reconcile the shame that it says that he so despised and he simply just gave up? But Jesus, he kept his eye on the will of the Father. He kept his eyes on the purpose of his life. And it says, for the joy set before him. Okay, you and I, our salvation. The power for us to be set free from our past the ability for us to have a relationship with God, the ability for us to fulfill the purpose, the God-given purpose that God had created us for. He had his mind on us. Because of that, Jesus kept moving forward. He kept moving forward for us. He won the victory for us. And so we wouldn't get stuck where we were. And, you know, if Jesus did that for us, if Jesus didn't get stuck for us, we got to be able to do that for him because of everything that he's done for us. We can't let the shame, we can't let the pain of regret stop us from running our race and fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. And, you know, it's worth it because it's, it's not over for you yet. And, you know, sometimes it's just taking that next step, just doing what is in front of you. You know, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. You know, God gives you stuff to do while you're trusting in him, while you're waiting on God. It's, you know, waiting on God is just like not do, just do nothing. It's trusting God, wait on God, and then do good. He gives you stuff to do. Oh, we got my team back. That's great. So I guess I want to ask you this morning as we stop looking in the review mirror of regret, what good thing is right in front of you? What next step? If it, and you know, it doesn't have to be something big for you to move forward. It's just something that will get you moving forward. Just a little step. What's God given to you? It might be just encouraging somebody tonight. That might be your very next step of moving forward. It might be buying a coffee for someone. You don't have to buy them here. You just get them for free. It's really easy. Put a coffee in someone's hand. For, for you, that could just be a next step for you to move forward. For, for others, it might be saying yes when you're given an opportunity to serve in some way. Whatever it is, do something. To get your focus off yourself. Get your focus off your inadequacy and your failing. And, and get your focus on God's purpose for your life instead. They're the little steps that we take, you know, are quite often the most powerful. And, you know, um, they're quite often the key to breakthrough in our life, those little steps. Okay, so, um, oh, good, they're here. So, you know, um, God has a future and he has a hope for you. So good. There's more on the other side of this, you know, but you just can't see it yet. Remember, it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. 
So I wonder um, if this afternoon, this evening, I wonder if, why don't we all get out of our seats and stand up. Can you stand up for a minute? And I just wonder if um, we could just bring our hearts before God tonight. And you know, the Word of God says in Mark 16, it says something interesting. It says that signs follow the preaching of the Word. And sometimes you think, oh, it's going to be amazing miracles, and that would be awesome. But I, I believe for us tonight that just simply means if we respond in our heart to the Word that we've just heard, then God's going to do something in your life. He's going to do something in your life. You know, there may be people here who are stuck in regret. You know, if statistics are right, probably 90% of us are probably struggling with some kind of regret. And God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. You know, there might be people here who um, maybe you've lost your confidence. That's, that's talked about that tonight. Maybe just because of some setback, something that's happened, you've lost confidence something that you've done maybe and you're feeling a bit weak and you're feeling unable to function in certain areas of life God wants to restore that to you tonight he wants to bring your confidence back to you now some of us might just need courage just to start to sow for the future you know and God I believe as you open your heart up to God tonight God's going to give you some steps to take just just like when Paul said what what shall I do Lord you can say that to God what shall I do and God just showed him the next steps that he needed to find out what was appointed for him to do God's got next steps for you and I next steps for you and I and I think this is a big one, and I actually did this just recently at our state conference, but some of us need to turn away, make a deliberate choice to turn away from staring into that review mirror once and for all. You're going over and over stuff in your mind. You're talking about it. It grips you, brings you down. You're meditating on it. And uh, I think some of us just need to make that decision tonight. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to get on with living the life that God has called us to. to. And so maybe, maybe tonight you can do this. And this is what I did at conference. Today, no longer will I dwell on that regret. No longer will I speak of it. From today, I am moving on into the new season, into what God has got for me.